comic books, time saved, Istanbul. This is Patterns of Development. Excited about this week, a change of pace, focusing on the medium of the content a little bit more. I was excited to stumble across an urban development comic series, comic book, and how COVID has changed our buildings and the way we live. This comic told the story of how pandemics of the past have influenced the architecture of today, notably fresh air, windows that open, and abundant sunshine in buildings. Think about all of the movies that you see set in the past, all those hospitals from all those war movies, right, with the big area rooms filled with natural light. A little different from the hospitals of today, but certainly a strategy that was adopted by dealing with some of those pandemics from early days. For those of you who know me a little bit better, I've been on a comic book kick since about Halloween, and it was fun to see the story of urban design make it into the comic medium. A picture always says a thousand words. Nice work to the authors, Joyce Rice and Greg Miller. The comic covers some patterns I think we'll see develop rapidly over the coming years. Number one. The emphasis of making the most of your private outdoor space. How can I extend this season? In the United States, Lowe's Home Depot stocks are through the roof. Ah, 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 pun. Shareholders are investing in their outdoor spaces. Cities are also recognizing the importance of their public spaces with usage increasing and businesses petitioning for use of sidewalks and parking lots differently. Number two, the emphasis on connection to outdoor public space. Rather than the detached single-family home, how are you connected and close to public spaces? Maybe connected is the right word. Maybe it's not. But rather than the Internet of Things, how you're connected virtually, how is your home connected physically to the things around you? Is it easy to get to these things? Is it difficult to get to these things and places? Number three, open floor plans are less ideal residentially speaking at the moment with the need for broadcast areas and multiple conversations happening at the same time in the home. Open floor plans make a grand statement, but if you don't have frequent visitors coming over, Having more dedicated private space is what owners and renters might be looking for in the future. Last but not least, I've said this before and I'll say it again, a leak from investment in commercial real estate to residential real estate. Again, Home Depot and Lowe's in the United States, their stocks are through the roof. And that money is people and businesses investing into residential real estate, not commercial real estate. All of this is driven, of course, because people are spending more time at home, which means not commuting to work stumbled across an interactive map that shows how much time people saved measured in days for large metropolitan areas in the United States. The highlights, if you live in New York City, you likely saved 12 and a half days. If you lived in Chicago, you likely saved around 10 days. If you lived in Los Angeles, you also likely saved around 10 days. I love data visualization. I think this fun, quick reference tool is great. We all know that time is saved when you don't commute, but I don't know if I quite understood the amount of time people could save in a year when they don't commute. Considering that connectivity piece again, both digitally and physically, I found a great interactive website about pedestrian first thinking. I was talking to someone recently about the patterns of development. I can confidently say that pedestrian first thinking is one of the patterns, if not the most important pattern. I think in the future I'll do some sort of bonus podcast where I rank all the patterns for 2021 or something. This pedestrian first thinking website is by the Institute for Transportation and Development Policy, and my attention was drawn to one of their taglines on the site, cities for babies are cities for all. And I know I mentioned in a couple of settings considering walkability for all ages, and my attention went to the older end of the spectrum. I love this perspective of considering the opposite end, young people and their caregivers. Because I like it so much, here's the Institute's thoughts directly from their website. When our streets and neighborhoods are safe, comfortable, 
and useful for babies, toddlers, and their caregivers, they are more likely to be safe, comfortable, and useful for everyone. Babies and toddlers are not the only people in the cities who are sensitive to unhealthy environments. Toddlers need extra time to cross streets, but so do the elderly and those with physical impairments. Street trees and public art are good both for babies' neurological development and for adults' mental health and sense of community. By building neighborhoods where daily needs are within a short walk, everyone, not just caregivers and children, will benefit from spending less time and money traveling. Cities should be walkable so that everyone, even the youngest of children, can enjoy them safely. And the last little piece, to design for babies and toddlers, we have to recognize three of their special characteristics. Their reliance on caregivers, their special sensitivity, and their slow speed of movement. Okay, so this is Kyle again, not quoting from that website. Pedestrian first pattern, so, so, so important. Consider both ends of the spectrum, young and old. Last up this week, I'm a sucker for Gell Architects. I love the work they produce. And in 2013, they worked with the city of Istanbul, and I found their PDF report buried somewhere in the corners of the internet, and I wanted to share it with all of you. Of course, COVID has put a halt to travel, but I think Istanbul is suddenly towards the top of my list. This report is really well done and, and makes it exciting to think about traveling to Istanbul. I love the introduction to the city specifically, talking about geographically what we're dealing with here and the historic peninsula and how it compares to other cities. I love the next piece in the report too, where they almost do like some sort of SWOT analysis for all you business school grads out there. And they put together this page calling out the potentials of the cities and some of the challenges that face the city from an urban planning perspective. A couple of those strengths, the setting, dynamic topography, how present history is, the intriguing structures, fantastic monuments, some of their challenges, traffic congestion, lack of legibility, neglect and decay. The report, of course, goes on with all of the recommendations, but I love the document and considering how might I tell the story and talk to a city about what could be done to improve a neighborhood or an entire city. How can we focus on our strengths and serve the city, focusing on the differentiators, both for citizens and for tourists? This is a great approach. I love thinking about what makes us unique and how we can make that better. And that's it. Thanks for listening to Patterns of Development. If you have any questions, thoughts, or feedback, please email me, kyle at patternsofdevelopment.com. And a huge credit and thank you to Rafi Bushman. He is just a phenomenal musician in London who gave me permission to use his song Look Up as the theme song for this audio experiment. Please check him out on Spotify. It's good stuff there. Looking forward to next week, and I'll talk to you all soon.